Office of Combat. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the month of May, one of the month series on operationalizing your compliance program. And this month, I will focus on the use of your human resources function to help you operationalize your compliance program. This month, my sponsor is Advanced Compliance Solutions. Advanced Compliance Solutions is your one-stop shop for all compliance-related services. Uh, Advanced Compliance Solutions has a new, exciting service offering called the Compliance Alliance, which is a three-step program that will provide you and your team a background into compliance and the FCPA so you can consider how your product or service fits the needs of the compliance officer, the compliance practitioner, and the compliance professional. It includes a boot camp, a podcast series, sponsorship, and an in-person training. Each section builds on the other and provides your customer service and sales teams with the knowledge they need to have intelligent conversations with compliance officers and decision makers. When the program is complete, your teams will be armed with the knowledge they need to sell and service every new compliance client. Interested people should contact myself, Tom Fox. In the evaluation of corporate compliance programs issued by the Department of Justice, there was a section on incentives and discipline. This spoke directly to the need of the HR function and compliance or several other uh, parts of the evaluation which speak to the integration of compliance into your HR function to fully operationalize your compliance program. Each day this month, I will be exploring a different way for you to operationalize your compliance function through the HR function. I hope you enjoy this series. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening. Day three, the J.P. Morgan Chase FCPA Enforcement Action. In 2016, J.P. Morgan Chase and its subsidiary, J.P. Morgan Securities Limited, resolved an FCPA matter obtaining a non-prosecution agreement with total penalties of $268 million. This was by far the largest case involving hiring and FCPA violations. The conduct in, involved the firm's client referral program entitled the Sons and Daughters Program, which targeted children of high Chinese government officials and employees of state-owned enterprises and other close family members and even close friends and associates of government officials and employees of state-owned enterprises for hiring in a, blatant, in a long-standing blatant attempt to win business. It was designed, created, and implemented by the top management of the Chinese business unit, or, or Asia-Pacific business unit, I should say, which went so far as to keep a tally of those persons hired by the business unit tied to specific business development. Senior officials and employees conspired to engage in a quid pro quo agreement with Chinese officials. The language quid pro quo is replete throughout the settlement documents because that is specific language used by J.P. Morgan Chase personnel when discussing the Sons and Daughters program. These actions led to over $100 million in profits to J.P. Morgan. While J.P. Morgan was certainly aware that many of the hires did not meet company criteria, uh, hiring criteria, there never seemed to be oversight of this illegal program or even an investigation into the clear red flags presented by the company's actions. What is more, the company knew the high, ri high risk involved in hiring family members of government officials as far back as 2001 and indeed had a written policy prohibiting such conduct. However, in 2006, this program morphed into a targeted program directly attributable to linking 
business opportunities to the hiring and lasted until 2013. In seven years, over 100 family members went through the programs with parents in more than 10 different Chinese government agencies. The program extended to new hires, summer internships, and lateral hires. The company tracked the metrics of the Sons and Daughters programs with a spreadsheet that tracked hires to specific clients while also tracking revenue attributable to those hires. The spreadsheet was so detailed that it delineated a column for each hire, the referring client, the relationship of the client, and the amount generated attributable to the hire in U.S. dollars. The purpose of this level of documentation was to track deals that resulted from the hires and measure the revenue associated with the Sons and Daughters program. So the corruption scheme and the benefits obtained by the company were fully documented. The program began as a FCPA risk management tool and listed five requirements which should be considered for the hiring of any foreign government official, son or daughter. Whether the applicant, number one, whether the applicant was qualified for the position. Two, whether the applicant had gone through the normal interviewing process. Three, whether the referring client or potential client was government related. Four, whether the firm was actively pitching for any business from the client or potential client, and five, whether there were expected to be a benefit to J.P. Morgan for hiring the referred candidate. These criteria were designed to act as an internal control to prevent illegal hiring under the FCPA, but it morphed into a program to disguise the true result of these hires. Worse, it appears that both the HR and compliance functions were complicit in this scheme to violate the FCPA because on at least one instance, there was at least one instance where the business unit noted on the form the hiring of the candidate will place J.P. Morgan in a more favorable position for securing future business. This business justification somehow changed and morphed into the next iteration, which read, and the candidate will be trained by J.P. Morgan for a couple of years and go to a local bank. Thus, this will bring more business. All because the company's compliance and HR function instructed the business unit employees to remove the offended language, writing that the hiring of the candidate should not be the purpose for securing a future business for the firm. Please remove. In addition to tying the business units to the hiring of the sons and daughters under the program, there was an initial problem that these hires did not meet Morgan's basic hiring and retention standards. <clears throat> Those hired under the program were protected species requiring management input before termination. The settlement documents were replete with evidence that the hires of the, under the sons and daughters did not meet the hiring standards and often failed to meet minimum standards for retention of the company. One thing that the resolution does not decidedly stand for is the proposition that a company can never hire a family member of a foreign government official or an employee of a state-owned enterprise. Indeed, it was a J.P. Morgan compliance officer who stopped the program in 2013, noting, I'm afraid that from an anti-bribery and corruption standpoint, we cannot create positions to accommodate client requests. This statement clearly shows that when an official refers a family member for hire, red flag should go up. It also demonstrates why compliance should be involved in any high-risk endeavor. It also shows the reason that you operationalize compliance into the specific corporate discipline here, HR. If there is no position which the candidate can fill based upon their own qualifications at the company, that should be the end of your discussion. So over the last couple of days, I've taken a look at the hiring cases and what does that tell us about the criteria compliance can advise HR on to operationalize 
the compliance issues in hiring. There are three questions I suggest be used to analyze regarding the hiring of family members of foreign officials or employees of state-owned enterprise. These questions can be installed as internal controls. Number one, does the candidate meet your hiring criteria? Number two, did the foreign official whose family member you are considering for hire demand or even suggest that the company hire the candidate? And number three, has a foreign official made or will make a decision that will benefit your company? The answer to the first question is no, and the second two are yes. You may well be in a high-risk area for violating the FCPA. You should investigate the matter quite thoroughly and carefully. Finally, whatever you do, document, document, document your investigation, both in the findings and conclusions. These three questions can be set up as internal controls. This is yet another example of how a company can operationalize compliance and burn it into the fabric and very DNA of an organization. Further, it provides another level of oversight or a second set of eyes on the hiring process around hires that are high risk under the FCPA or any other anti-bribery, anti-corruption regime such as the UK Bribery Act. So what are day three's three key takeaways? Well, obviously, number one, never institutionalize your illegal conduct. Uh, Morgan paid the highest fine around uh, hiring violations of the FCPA at $268 million. That's certainly no uh, small amount, even for a bank the size of J.P. Morgan Chase. Two, develop a set of human resources or HR internal controls around hiring and compliance. If you use internal controls, it will not only make your company more efficient and more profitable at the end of the day, but it'll be a tripwire in case something like uh, this might slip through the cracks. And finally, always put a second set of eyes on any exception granted. It's when exceptions are granted around internal controls that companies get into trouble, and this is certainly no different. This is Tom Fox. I hope you have enjoyed Day three, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day four of thirty day, of one month to a better compliance program through HR. Thank you. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of One Month to Operationalizing Your Compliance Program through the use of your HR function. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you will rate it on iTunes as it would help our ratings and also get the word out about this seminal one-month series that I'm doing in 2017. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at tfox, that's tfox, at tfoxlaw.com. Finally, I hope you will join me again. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.